All right, everyone. Welcome once again to the Faces of Business. I'm Damon Pistolka, your host today. And with me today, I've got Bruce Carnahan, the process improvement wizard. <laughs> Good to have you here today. Awesome. And uh, thanks for using uh, the wizard word. I say whiz because people get a little bit freaked out about the wizard word sometimes. But, um, <laughs> <laughs> but I'm just going means- there. Yeah, no, you can go there because I know you like to go there. So I'm yeah. I'm good with it. I love being I love being on video and particularly your guest, Damon. And um so a little part of the story about that when I worked uh, on doing what they call lean process improvements, um, which is based in Japanese culture and American culture way, way back. And uh somebody came up to me one day and they said, Hey, uh, hey Kiyoshi, you know, and it's like and I looked at them and then I heard the word a couple and, and I'm like embarrassed to say, and I took this person, I said, what does Kiyoshi mean? He said, oh, it's, uh, it means wizard in Japanese. So it's a great honor. <laughs> nice. So, uh, so yeah, Kiyoshi, Wiz, I just know my stuff. That's all. <laughs> awesome. Awesome. Well, today we're going to be talking about, as people might expect, using processes to be simpler, faster, better, and mm-hmm. Let's get going, Bruce. So tell sure. us a little bit about how this process improvement whiz got started. Yeah, so um, it's, it's really interesting because I just got back from the UK. And um, it's funny because I took a walk um, that I took 61 years ago as a tiny little boy. And it was the first walk I took on my own to go to my first school. And uh What's amazing, Damon, is not much has changed except they want they made the biggest change, which I used to hate, and that was the last part of the walk. I used to have to walk on this muddy pathway, and I and it brought back all these childhood memories. And I always used to yeah. slip up on the pathway or get junk on my shoes, and then and I was obsessed about wanting to stay clean and stay in order. So so it was it goes all the way back to when I was like a five, six year old kid. And I just didn't yeah. like, I just didn't like dirt on my shoes. <laughs> and, and so that was like the foundation for not only I don't like uncleanliness. I don't like discombobulation. So discombobulation, it, it, it makes my brain, it's almost like a computer in anti defrag mode. It just makes my brain explode when I don't have things in order. So, mm-hmm. Being clean and feeling mentally in order. I mean, I know that's a stretch, but <laughs> yeah. You know. So, so that was actually the genesis of it, and I never realized until I did that walk two weeks ago that that's that's really where it all started. And then, fast forward to I came from an underprivileged family, done a lot of part-time jobs, and I would always do jobs that were either service-based or hands-on product base, you know, mm-hmm. organizing things. So I love to organize things. And um, of course, I like to organize other people if they let me. But <laughs> yeah, yeah. So it goes way, way back. And then fast forward, 27 different industries, lived in six different countries. Um, yeah. I've been really blessed to do unbelievable width and depth of career experience. Mm-hmm. You really have. And I think you've, you've skipped over this because you've worked in some really cool places. Tell us a few of the, you know, that stick out in your head as interesting places. You go, man, this is country, industry, 
specific facility or right. some that just stick out in your head? Uh, well, one of them that really sticks out is uh, I've never forgotten. I was in St. Louis and I was working for an employer's group and I used to help little context. I used to help the employer's group members see if they were even ready for anything remotely near process improvement, not even improvement. Right. So my mm -hmm. job then was awesome because I used to get to go tour all of our member facilities. And I've not forgotten a, a, a guy called me and said, hey, we're members. I just put my son in charge of this business. Come on out. And uh, it was a foundry. So it was I hadn't been in a foundry for a long time. So anyway, I drove to a really rough part of St. Louis. And um, yeah, I mean, you can imagine a lot of rusted corrugated buildings and, mm -hmm. and the first thing i notice i drive up to and there's one car in the parking lot and it's a porsche and i'm thinking that's really interesting so anyway so i go in we do the happy glad and and the son says oh i'll be with you in a minute so um so i said okay well before we get going on you know whether we think you're a good fit or not you know show me around the foundry so he said okay hang on and, and I said, no, show me around the foundry. And he said, oh, I don't go on the shop floor. <laughs> so this is the son's owner. And I said, well, what do you mean? He said, well, I just I just come to work in my Porsche and I sit in the office and I let everybody else do. And I said, you don't know your way around the shop floor? And he said, no. So he had to get his foreman. So that one stuck out in my mind, of course. Wow. Wow. And you know what, Damon, it was it was sad, but exciting because the foreman took me around. I said, well, you know what? What's going on here? And there are literally holes in the roof. You know, there's plants growing out of the floor. I mean, it's wow. it was like a throwback to the end of the Second World War is when they set themselves up. And you know what? Nothing had really changed. So exciting. There was a lot of opportunity. Not so exciting because the owner's son was clearly not going to do good things for the business. So we ended up not working with each other. So, yeah. <laughs> so that wow. one's a big stick out. Um, on the reverse side of that, um, I would say that I did a business turnaround with a, a guy that I'd done a couple with. And we went into this uh, assembly facility and talk about having a motivated team. They were awesome. They were losing $10,000 a day in cash flow, but man, were the team motivated? And, and on the turnaround deal, I have a 30, 60, 90 day program, kind of like mm -hmm. you do. And, uh, you know, I just briefed them, Hey, you know, I'm not here for you to like me. I'm not here for you to get along with me. We we're in trouble and we need to go do this plan. And, uh, and they were amazing. They followed all the steps. They followed all the guidelines. They came back to me when they needed help. I mean, it, it was like a dream job. And of course wow. we did the, we did the turnaround pretty quick. Actually we did it faster than even the ownership thought we would do it. And, Six months later, we're making so much money and taking so much market share from our main competitor that they they wanted to come purchase us. So, you know, completely different end of the spectrum. But and that's fun because eventually they did hostily purchase us. So, <laughs> yeah, but an amazing team building. Talk about motivated group. And we did we did some amazing things for our customers and shareholders. And and we stopped losing ten thousand dollars a day, which was pretty cool. Yeah, that is, yeah, that is. And that's, that's, you know, 
people don't understand the power of processes a lot. And when you, when you really do, and I mean, everything from business process to manufacturing to, you know, how you brush your teeth there, it, it, I mean, it is, what do you do? What do you do to your process to get up in the morning, your process to go to bed, the, mm-hmm. your process to exercise, your process to do the books at the end of the month. Um, yep. There's everything that that around us that are processes. And that's why, you know, when we were talking about this and we were talking about using process to be simpler, faster, better. Uh, yeah. I just think this is a, it's a topic that can really help people if they put process improvement to use. Mm-hmm. So when, when you're, let's just start out with one of your, one of your basic things that you like to do um, when you're looking at a process. So you're coming into a place and say, you're looking at something. What's, what's one of the first things you do? Oh, I, I love that. In fact, uh, literally today I had that experience, you know, I want to meet the, the key contact, uh, whoever they are, whoever's been uh, assigned to, and I want to walk it. I, there is nothing better than walking the process. And, um, and what I do, Damon, is a little bit different is I actually walk the process, what a lot of people would call backwards. So I actually start at the point where the value or the information is delivered to the customer. And then I will walk the process all the way back to where it first starts in that particular facility. And that's often in the receiving or receiving and shipping because often they're mm-hmm. combined. Um, and a lot of people are always thrown by that right away. And I, and I can tell, and the reason I do that is a lot of people can't walk the process backwards. you know, they get, they literally get lost because they're so used to like starting when all the stuff comes through the door and going forwards towards the customer. And, but that's not what the customer sees, right? The customer only sees what they're getting delivered at the end. And so uh, that's one of my little tricks as it were, you know, not, not a bad trick, but depending on how well they can walk their process backwards, I know how mature they are. And I really know how well they understand their process. And um, and then the other thing I'll look for is I've got these 10, 12, uh, you know, golden questions I have in my mm-hmm. back pocket. I don't always ask all 10 or 12, depending on how the backwards walk of the process looks and feels like. Uh, and then the other thing I will do is I'll always pretend I need to go to the restroom and the restroom actually out in the facility. Not the really nice one in the bobby, yeah, yeah. <laughs> or not yeah. the real nice one in the conference room that all the customers may or may not go to. But but no, I'll, so I'll go look at you know, I'll go pretend I need to go to a restroom right right in the core of the business, and I'll say, hey, can you show me where the restroom is? And depending on how the restroom looks, I also yep. know I also know how they're treating their people. So. Yeah. So those are my little, uh, and I try to have fun with it. I try not to be disrespectful, or, but it's amazing when you do that. What what the customer sees from the process, not what the co- company is delivering. When you do it from that viewpoint, it's an amazing unveiler of uh, where the good things are happening and also where the not so good things are happening. As yeah. Well, and. I think a lot of times we deliver what we think the customer needs, but if we really ask the customer that we may be giving them too much, we right. may be giving them most of the stuff and they need a little bit extra. That's really easy to give them. And right. if we, we start there and ask them, you can 
you can do a lot better job. Yeah. Yeah. Actually over processing or over cycling. Uh, some people call it procrastination at an individual level, but, uh, Overprocessing, overcycling is one of those hidden wastes that most of us, we kind of take it for, for granted, but you don't need to overprocess and you don't need to overcycle and you definitely don't need to procrastinate sometimes. It's just about, and I, I had a mentor once, he would, he, he, I used to drive him crazy with my procrastination. And he took me one side one day and he said, Bruce, you only need to be 51% to move forward, right? He said world-class because he came from the mergers and acquisitions field world-class you only need to be 60 percent right bruce so you know just give me give me a solution between 51 to 61 percent right and let's go and that yeah. that was an amazing piece of mentorship number one but number two it really cuts through the whole notion of trying to over process or overthink things and just procrastinating because that's often what happens you know Mm -hmm. I love that 51% right. When you're working in, in business process, that's, that's pretty good. That's pretty yeah. good. That's for sure. I just want to stop for a second and say we had Michael Ryan here today. Awesome. Hey, Michael. <laughs> yeah. Anthony Reed. Hello, Anthony. Yeah. And then we got uh, Ronald Henderson. Mm -hmm. Hey, Ronald. Yep. And uh, Kenny D. Kenny, Kenny D. D's. Yeah, All look right. at Michael Ryan. I'm actually going to meet him for the first time in person after almost a three-year online, uh, you know, collaboration yeah. relationship. So I'm really looking forward to meeting Michael. And we, um, I'm, I'm meeting with a couple of other people in the Cleveland, Ohio, their area, and they, they picked a fun spot for us to meet. So I'm really looking forward to that. That's going to be on nice. June 12th. So all right. Yeah. Yeah. We just had uh, out here in Seattle, Gail Robertson was just out here speaking at a, a women in aerospace conference and I got to meet her over the weekend. So that was, oh, cool. that was good. That was really good. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's nice when you can have these relations, begin these relationships online. You can get, you can get to meet people in person and, and, uh, and it's uh, really good. I mean, cause it, it's, it's like, you know, them and, and it's just like oh, hanging yeah. out with a friend. So that's good. Well, it's where the magic happens. And, um, you know, people talk about that, but it's, for me, it's about, you know, can you really make good memories with meaningful connections? And, um, and, you know, a meaningful connection, the process for me is, you know, do I know their name? Of course. Yeah. <laughs> do I know where they live? Do I have their phone number? Do I have their email? Do I have at least one social media presence? And, you know, and again, People say to me, well, how do you know they're meaningful? Well, you have to say yes to all of those things. And, you know, if you know a little bit about their personality and what they love to do, that's a bonus. So, you yeah. know, because everyone else's connections, if you're not at that five, six tier level of connecting with somebody, they're, they're really not a meaningful connection, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. 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 That's, is. It's very important to the, the people that you want to have close to you, that you, you take that time to really understand who they are and what they do. Absolutely. Uh, that's yep. for sure. So when we, when we go back to go back to the process part of this now, the, give me an example where, where process has really affected. You've seen it affect people personally. Because a lot of people just go, oh, business. So we're going to continue improvement <laughs> on this or that. Or let's see this. Just talk about a personal use for process improvement. Uh, sure. So, um, so can I use a recent one for me? 
Sure. Yeah. So, um, well, actually, too. So, I was in the UK, so I'm always staggered by the mismatch between American service delivery and the UK service delivery. So, we, uh, I went and actually worked with a young lady called Julia, and she, she just took the initiative to put a little pop-up LinkedIn local together in Battersea, UK. So they picked this beautiful location. And I'm like, wow, this is, you know, it's like really, really high end. And I thought, oh, maybe this ain't going to go to anyway. So we walked in. So first thing is, is um, the guy couldn't find our reservation. Second thing is I said, well, okay, well, can we just sit somewhere? He said, oh yeah, just pick where you want to sit. He didn't want to guide us there. Third thing is I said, okay, well, while we're figuring out what we're, can I have a drink? And he said, well, you have to load the app for that. So like, what do you mean load the app? He said, well, we don't do drinks over the bar. You've got to order it on the app. You can't, you can't take. And I said, you've got to be joking, right? <laughs> he said, no, yeah. I'm joking. <laughs> so uh, it took 15 minutes to load the app. So it wasn't three clicks or less. And that's a blue gold standard yeah. for me. And when we did use the app, we got all the wrong drinks at the wrong time delivered to the wrong table. How about that? oh my goodness so i uh so we use that as a little example around you know what what should we be striving for using simpler faster better at a personal level so i just want to talk to faster as well a little bit some people don't realize to go faster you actually have to slow down a little bit to make sure that you know you do have simplicity and you do have better things in place because if you slow down a little bit and work on those two things, the process will speed up. And again, the restaurant example is a great example of they thought they were doing a big favor. They were mm -hmm. for themselves, but they didn't really do a big favor to anybody. And so they didn't understand the simplicity of, hey, the customer experience, if you can do something digitally in three clicks or less, to give the customer what they want, that's ideal. If you're trying to find something physically, in other words, the table we thought we booked, can you find that in 30 seconds or less? And so those are my two like benchmark standards. And I always ask myself, Bruce, can you get to your critical needed information daily in three clicks or less? Or can you find something physically in 30 seconds or less? If you can, then that is a great opportunity for improvement. And in fact, I recently did that because <laughs> I was actually trying to demonstrate that to somebody who was on Zoom. And, and it was kind of embarrassing because I said, here, I'll show you how, you know, where your critical information is because I use them as an example. Well, it took me seven clicks to get to their critical information. Like, duh. So the point about that is sometimes you got to step back. You got to slow down. You got to just go through the fundamentals again. So I spent one Saturday going through reorganizing all my electronic information or my workstation information. So I could go back to them and say, hey, you remember when I showed you we did this? Well, then I went back and showed them the improved process. But the key thing there is I did a quick lessons learned. You know, what did Bruce learn? Mm -hmm. And what I learned is the old the old adage, you know, if you can't be a product to your own process, then shame on you. <laughs> right? Yeah. You've got to yeah. always be the product to your own process. 
because that's the whole thing about authenticity. You know, we talk about that word all the time. If you're, if you can't demonstrate your own product through your own process in the way you want the customer to feel it or your client or friend, family member, it, you know, you're, you're, you're kidding yourself. So yeah, a great example of how an organization impacts a personal thing. Cause you know, I was embarrassed. I was embarrassed. Oh yeah. You know, yeah. like this, this beautiful restaurant and we get crappy service. <laughs> I I mean, it was just a yeah. joke. It really was. And it undermined the location. The location was beautiful. It's right by the river, beautiful sunny day. And, and yet the whole service experience kind of jaded the whole, what could have been a miraculously unbelievable experience, but we yeah. laughed at it. So we did yeah. get a laugh about it. That was good. <laughs> yeah. Well, I like your three clicks or 30 seconds rule. I think that's good. And one of, one of the simple things that I just did, because I use process a lot, right? I, I, have, a, I, have, a, I have a process for when I get up in the morning, what am I going to do? It's yeah. in a planner. I have the steps. I know it's stupid because I've been doing it for, well, no, I shouldn't say it. It's kind of seems ridiculous to some because I've been doing it for a couple of years. But if I don't, if I don't check those things off. Yeah. I don't do it the way I'm supposed to sometimes, or it's easy to not do it the right way or, or do the things that you need to really do. And I was, I had the same thing happen to me in my note taking. I'm, if anybody's ever seen, I take notes, I take lots of notes. Right. Yep. And, and my, my old thing was, I just take notes and I stack them up over here and, you know, and then I have a stack about this thick of, of notes and I'll go through and which one should I keep. Right. Well, what I realized is, I can't find anything when I want to find it. And, <laughs> and then I throw away stuff that I think I don't need, but I end up needing it. And I keep, you know, so the whole thing is I started putting a date, a date and a dash at the top. I scan every one of them now and, oh. I, and I file them by the week. I got them in one note so I can go back. And if say, if I'm meeting with you, the last time we met, I go on my calendar. When did I meet with Bruce last? It tells me I go to the week. I look at what we talked about. That is it, awesome. Yeah. It made it made a huge difference. And and now I have all my notes, not just the ones that I thought I needed. I have them all. Right. And it's so much better. And you know what? It's amazing, Damon. The simplicity of using numbers and letter combinations, because that's what I do with my file folder file folder mm -hmm. naming. You know, so and and when I was trying to demonstrate my three clicks or less, which actually were seven. The issue was, is I'd not gone back and reprioritized my file folder location by numbers and letters. So it didn't take that long, but because I'd let it go for a while, I, you know, I'd forgotten my own standard work, which is, hey, do regular lessons learn, do regular review. You know, I'd gotten, I'd gotten lazy around my own protocol that I know helps me be more productive. <laughs> yeah right and it's and it is embarrassing but it's kind of cool that i was embarrassed into doing it and the person was very forgiving that i showed and but more importantly once i showed them how i'd restructured it i think they went away and did the same with their own fight electronic filing system so you know talk about passing the legacy forward right so yeah yeah and that's that's a great a great example of how you can you know, the regular lessons learned, I just wrote that down because I think that's something that if we're not doing that often, 
right. we miss the opportunity to be better. It's like, okay, even if it, things are going wonderfully, what would I do differently for it to make it even go better? Yep. And that was actually, I have a little journal, which I know I've sent you. So this is the mm -hmm. fix it journal. And actually in here, you'll see there's places to put look, top seven things to bullet point and then yeah. notes and then a reward at the bottom of the page. So um, a suggested reward and they're usually non-monetary rewards. Um, and that's the other thing. We are really bad at rewarding ourselves for good productive outputs, mm -hmm. right? kind of take it we do a pretty good job usually with other people when we're working with other people and congratulating them about their productive outputs but we suck at doing it for ourselves so. <laughs> yeah, that's a great point because usually if you're nice and productive that means you're going to try to get more work done absolutely or you attract more work right the high attract more work. <laughs> yeah it, right that's for sure that's for sure so when you when you come back and and you look at some of the examples uh, do you get called in often to work on business process, like overall business process end to end from order to delivery to customer kind of things? Or is it more in the in a facility and we're working on a specific part of it? What are the what are where are you typically called in? So both, but where I want to focus and I'm being very specific about focusing when I really did my big picture lessons learned Damon and how I did that so I started it's going to sound braggadocious but I started with all the recommendations I've got written on LinkedIn from all all the people that have written them mm -hmm. and what I did is I looked for common themes inside of that and what I realized is that my real sweet spot in terms of maximizing the leverage of my time to give other people benefits is in companies that either assemble things or distribute things because assembly, uh, sorry, distribution is really reverse assembly. Mm -hmm. So I'm really strong in the assembly and it can be, it doesn't matter if it's product or service or information. I'm really, really tuned into the assembly of stuff or the disassembly of stuff. So, and that's actually in alignment with how I put together, I was telling you offline, I put together a six module uh, Ignite um, improvement, process improvement, self-paced module, six module course. Mm -hmm. And that's really geared towards people that are in that assembly or disassembly environment. So, you know, I use the right words, I use the right examples. I have a textbook mm -hmm. that backs it up that's that was written in that environment. So. So, yeah, so that's where I want to operate because I love to offer. I like because always in the assembly or disassembly business, you can make some rapid, small improvements to have a really big impact straight away. Uh, yeah. And the example of that. Right. So the example of that my best ever example of that is I went to work in a uh, grant processing office in the state of Southern Carolina. I worked with the executive director who realized they were in trouble and they were processing grants for underprivileged childcare provision. And it took them an average of 63 days. The grant Ooh. traveled six miles about in its application processing. When we were done and I gave them the prediction, we're going to do it in 10 days and less than a week. They said, you are nuts, Bruce. You are just 
crazier than crazy. When we were done, we actually did in 9.8 days average time and the average turnaround time was four days. So that's my mm. greatest example. Uh, how did we do that? Well, we figured out all of the stuff that was just completely wasted effort. There was a massive amount of over-processing being done. And then more importantly, we freed up a literally a 20 foot by 20 foot filing cabinet room. We got rid of all the paperwork, kind of like your example with the notes. Mm -hmm. They could never find anything because yeah. it was just, it was a massive mountain of discombobulated paperwork. So, so we got rid of it. <laughs> wow. So yeah. that's my great. And the, what was cool though, is we made the executive director become almost like a rock star in her own, um, South Carolina, you know, system. And, and they ended up talk about great recognition. They ended up being like a model office that, all the other executive directors used to go mm -hmm. for and walk through and um, yeah, they, they did a great job. Great it's job. so amazing when you look at like process like that, people don't think, and you talked about six miles and 63 days, people yeah. don't understand what, what the, when you, until you walk a process, whether yeah. it's, whether it's doing something in an office or doing something even at a workstation, the, yeah. the amount of, of, moving from here to here and here to here and the wait time in between them. And because we haven't really thought about how long it takes Damon to fill out that initial paperwork and for Susan to, to do her part with the paperwork and then Jim or, or Becky to do theirs. And we have these big mountains and when you can kind of yeah. level things out and redo it, and then you take that and get more to a one piece flow, how much faster things actually get done. Oh, yeah, it's amazing. And actually, uh, we also used um, the concept of an ATM, a little bit of technology. So what happened is instead of a lengthy paperwork process being done to actually eliminate the grant um, applicant from the grant process, we, we set up like a little kiosk that looked like an ATM and people came. So they, they actually did a lot of the grant work that the other people mm. were doing up front. So it was, yeah. and and everyone said, "Bruce, you're nuts. The people won't people won't come to, and I they won't come to the machine." I said, "Well, then they probably don't really want the grant." <laughs> you know? Yeah. So they had all yeah. these like blockages in their thinking, and um, yeah, it was it was just a joy to see <laughs> to see how it all ended up, and uh, and the funniest thing about all that was that the biggest root cause for all of the trouble was nothing to do with the information flow. It was to do with the fact that the teams wouldn't work with each other. And the reason the teams won't work with each other is they were always complaining about each other's dress code. And that is the most bizarre root cause experience I have ever had. But once we figured out how to fix the dress code and what people could wear and what people we're not allowed to come to the office looking like mm -hmm. and the consequences of if Bruce showed up, not meeting the dress code. Once we've solved that problem, everything else happened. It was unbelievable. Wow. Was unbelievable. So talk about immersing yourself in the process. You know, you have to be, you can only be there to really discover 
that that's what it was. And it was amazing. And I kind of discovered it by accident because one of the processes, uh, four miles of the six miles involves somebody taking some paperwork and driving it to another uh, city office and getting some processes done and come back. And I just happened to say to that person, why, why do you, why do you drive over there once a week and do it? Why can't you? And he said, it was a he, he said to me, man, that's my only break from all this stuff going on in the office around dress code. And I said, what do you mean? <laughs> wow. So he was the one that figured out the root cause for me. He didn't know he'd figured it out. And I said, what do you mean? He said, well, he said, I, I just need to get out of there. That's why I, that's why I take everything four miles away and do something on it and bring it back. <laughs> oh my goodness. And he was oh doing goodness. that once, once a week. That it, it is so interesting, though, what you find as root causes to why somebody does something. And, you know, you go back to the old, you know, there's so many old sayings about we've always done it this way or whatever that 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 just drives me berserk. But right. it's, well, it's I, really it, it was around why for him it was around. Well, why, you know, why, why do you waste? I mean, gas wasn't even expensive. Are you saying why do you waste your time and gas? And he said, man, it's just a break from all this. Yeah. <laughs> the best part of my week and it's like what you know and i started to say well what do you mean you know ask a lot more what do you mean questions and of course once i understood what was driving the negative teamwork or anti-teamwork you know i went to mm -hmm. the executive director and she said well i kind of heard about a few things and i said well what did you do about it and she said well i thought it was just you know people being people <laughs> it's like wow. well you didn't see the impact she didn't see the impact. She was too far away from it to see the impact. Whereas, uh, mm. you know, I was a neutral. I, I wasn't, I wasn't invested in their day-to-day -day ownership, but I, I was able to fathom it out with the guy's help. So, so we got it yeah. fixed and they did that a great is. job. Talk about, so that, so the solution was one of the most creative I've seen as well. So what they did is they got all these magazines of women and men and they cut up, pictures and they created what was unacceptable dress code on one board and then alongside they had all these other pictures acceptable dress code it was right in the lobby where everybody came in and what happened is they had to pass by this desk that was a receptionist and she basically monitored and if they were good to go good to go if they didn't meet the dress code they they agreed the consequence was they would go home change and not be paid for it wow how about that as a consequence? Yeah. Yeah. I would have never dreamt up that confidence, you know, yeah. or for me to try and say, Hey, this is the consequence, what it needs to be. I would have been a lot more lenient. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, well that's, they figured it out. Hey, it was amazing. Yeah. Well, and if it makes a difference in the productivity, then, I mean, you really oh. need to, you really need yeah. to do it. Yeah. Their productivity start. It, it was one, it was, a the energy in the office changed as well. Yes. Yes. That was, that was the key thing. I knew there was something off. I thought it was all the paperwork stacked up all over the place that was off, but I would have been so wrong, you know? <laughs> well, yeah. If you were in a, in a situation that made you uncomfortable or something like yeah. that, it's just really, it's not good. It's, it's, it's hard to do. It's hard to work. Yeah. It's hard to do your best work. Yeah. It's, it's so interesting listening to this because, you know, I started out in engineering and working in the factories and working on processes in the factories. I started out in, in high volume assembly, not high volume, like spark plugs for high volume, right. but you know, something where you're making 15, 20,000 every shift 
day mm-hmm. in, day out, or or something where you're making in, in molding where we were making 30, 40 million or something a year. Right. And when you when you look at and you take that the the minute detail that you have to look at on a process there and you start to work into the business process like you're talking about, it's really it was that transition to working into a factory and then moving into the business. Wow, you uncover so many things when you start to look at it. Right. And and all those things that you talk about in the factory, like placement of of tools and and how far you go in workstation design. Um, yep. Have you have you seen that where where because you've been working in the factory, it really translates well into what you're doing with the with office or oh. or, or administrative kind of things? Uh, so it works the same both ways. So here's you know we all have a power. Yeah, zone. let's go the other way. Yeah. Yeah. So we all have a power zone, right? So yeah. this is it from here. Turn around. And then go up and go down. If you don't have everything you need to add value to your process in your workstation in that parameter, then you have room for improvement. And it is amazing to me how many people, I mean, I work standing up for that very reason. Mm -hmm. I have everything I need. Here's my vision board, literally. I have everything I need in my power zone. I have filing boxes underneath me here. Mm -hmm. So... I don't want to be out of my power zone. And if everybody could work in their power zone, number one, ergonomically, it's a lot more healthy. Number Mm -hmm. two, you don't over-process all that wasted effort. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And then uh, the, yeah, and then it just, it just makes your day, I don't know, it just adds like breath and light to your workstation. and, And the reverse of that is I've worked in workstations where, you can't even see properly you know, yes. and there's no fresh airflow. There's no, you know, so people get set up to fail because you always get what you design when you design a workstation guaranteed. So if you want a high activity, a high output workstation, you've got to make it so that the person can work always in their power zone. No excuse whether they sit, stand, do both, you've got to help them be successful in how they use their energy in their power zone. And usually that is a huge thing, particularly in high volume. Uh, oh, yeah. You may, you know, where you've got tens, twenties, hundreds of people. If everyone works in their power zone, the savings and the energy that gets released to go make, improvement somewhere else is unbelievable it's hard to fathom (laughs) that that's that's incredible advice there too and the other thing is if you work in that power zone you're much less prone to injury if you're doing fit more physical work too absolutely yeah so safety drives that so i i should i should have said that you know safety first right forget about everything else if you know, if you're not working safely and make safety a priority, then, you know, shame, shame on you as a manager or an individual. It works both ways. So, yes, yes. Yeah. yeah when you we talk about working in that power zone. Yeah, I've got we had some experience for one time when, when uh, back when I was managing facilities where we had someone that was building conveyor belts and we used to make checkout counters for grocery stores. So, you know, you've got these oh, computer yeah. belts, they're different yeah. lengths and, and they're, they're sometimes they're four feet, sometimes they're six feet. Well, this person and, and the company was 60 years old. 
So mm-hmm. it kind of had grown up around this. And this one person that had done this had doing it for quite a while. And they had a table where they would lay out all these and, and start oh, wow. them all, right? <laughs> and and when we did the, the lean event and we started looking at it, that person walked like four miles a day or something because oh, yeah. the parts weren't close and everything else. And yeah. I still remember we redesigned it and he boy, I wasn't quite sure because we said, okay, now you don't have four tables. You have one and everything is right here and we're going to see how it works. And he'd come back a week later and he's, this is so incredible because I could, I get way more done and I'm not tired when I go home. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I... <laughs> and it's like you get, because, because people don't, you don't intuitively think about the fact that you can get way more done and go home with more energy. If yeah. you, are efficient in the way you the way you design your workflows wherever yeah. you're at yeah and the, and the trick there and people always look at me cross-eyed when i say it, you will always get what you design so if you've got inconsistency in your process anywhere it's something to do with the design you've got inconsistency designed into your process so and then the other thing that i am always staggered by is that when people know they need to get a different productive output or change, they are so reluctant to change the productive input. <laughs> it's nothing to do with the process. So if you want a different outcome or a different productive output, you have to go look and work on the right productive input that's creating that productive output. It's nothing to do with the process. And people that can you give an example of that? I'd like to hear your example. If you got one, you can think of. So um, measuring. So if you're if you're trying to make parts, one part that fits into another, um, Mm -hmm. they're not quite jiving. Well, if you go look at what the parts measure when they go into the process, and you'll often see that the parts are never designed to go together. Oh, right. So then they do all this process. They might trim it up. They might, you know, blow on it. They might measure it a few times and then they might say, oh, now I need to get that part to match with this part and I'll put that together. So they do all this processing and it's like, but guys, for those two parts to fit together, they have to observe some basic engineering rules and basic tolerancing. And when you go look at the drawings, they're not designed that way. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Right? So the productive input, the productive input is not giving you what the productive output should be. So that's a very yeah. simple example. Now it's more complicated than that normally, because there's a lot of inputs that go into making what you promise to make for your customer. Mm-hmm. So yeah, but you have to dissect them. You have to dissect, you know, and then work on the one that's giving the greatest impact to the output of the process. Mm-hmm. Start on that one first, because if you get that one lined up better, and guess what? All the other things kind of fall into place a lot better too. So, yeah. yeah so, yeah. tolerancing and mismatching and wrong wrong parts for wrong things. I can't tell you how many people, how many engineers I've seen design you know, the wrong parts for the wrong use because they didn't understand that the customer is really going to do this with it mm-hmm. and they thought they were going to do this with it. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Wow. Yeah. That's, that's really cool. So change the input to get better output. Yeah. And or if you don't like the output, go look at, go look at where the inputs are coming from 
it, you know, that you're doing some process on. Where's it coming from? And mm-hmm. uh, oh, another great example, I used to work in the, like you, in the molding. And we used to do a lot of engine maintenance and bridge maintenance and all that. And uh, never forgot, we had some bridge maintenance out in the field and it was somewhere in the Middle East. Well, guess what? The bridge mains were designed for a temperature range of this. But in the Middle East, yeah, <laughs> and everyone was saying, well, these don't work. It's like, well, no, they don't work. Yeah. Because <laughs> the, you know, the engineering guys have said, oh, well, it's the right size. It's the right shape. It's the right color. We'll put it on that bridge. Well, they forgot to look at the ideal operating temperature range. <laughs> so. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Considering everything to make sure it works. That's for sure. Just look at the other things. So you, you mentioned this too, because this is great before we got on. It's so awesome to get to talk to you about process. Cause man, I, I, I could spend hours talking to you and learning from you. I can see and hear in your mind and see it in your eyes that you're one of these people that can just walk in and you've been doing this long enough that you just see things that other people don't see. And you're, you're that when we, before we got on, you were talking about leaving a legacy in this uh, six module online course you're developing, you know, called Ignite. Yes. And, and let's talk about that a little bit before we, before we finish up today, because man, I, I just really want people to be able to uh, learn more about you and, and learn from you if they can. Well, well, thank you for that opportunity. So yeah, I have 48 years ish of, a lot of uh, process stuff in my head. And um, about nine years ago, there was a textbook created. Actually, it was modeled off of what we did in that grant processes in business. And But there's a lot more kind of experience and experiential knowledge that's in between my ears. And, um, you know, both my parents have gone. My sisters live in the UK. I'm single. So it's like, wouldn't it be, you know, and I had this moment mm, back last fall where it's like, my God, you know, and I'm, I already know I'm going to be cremated when I pass on to another life. What a shame it would be to have that 48 years of stuff that's between my ears just go up in flames when I'm no longer here. So, yeah. So then I started to think about, well, how I'm going to do that. Anyway, fast forward, I found Veronica. She's the V Power coach. She's very prolific here on LinkedIn. She's got an amazing process for people like me that have so much experience. They just don't know where to start. And that was the problem. I didn't know where to start. I mean, I yeah. have the textbook. I have my journal that I created, but I didn't, I didn't understand how to pull all of that knowledge out and put it into sequential step-by-step easy to digest self-paced modules that you you have to account for people's different learning mechanisms people learn completely uniquely to them Mm -hmm. completely differently in their own time so it's like well you can't just do that in a book you can't just do that in a series of videos you've got to think about well how do you make it flexible so so that's what Veronica did. She spent countless hours trying to really understand the way my brain works. And, and, uh, she was amazing. She, you know, I would say, you know, I talk a lot when I'm passionate about what I do, I'd say mm-hmm. four sentences. She say, so Bruce, you mean to say this, this, and this, it's like, how did you do that? 
<laughs> well, that's awesome then. Four sentences down to three words. Yeah. <laughs> and she said, well, I've been doing it for a while. And guess what? I have my process. It's called, uh, you know, it's called Impact. And uh, she has lots of blueprints and lots of processes and they work, you know, yeah. but it's hard work. A lot of people don't realize getting all that out of here, it's been the most intensive internal work that I've had to do in my entire life. So it's unbelievably hard work. But but with the right person's help, right guidance, you, you get there. And I'm close. So when, when do you think you're going to have this ready to release? So uh, I'm just vetting the, the landing page for people to be able to get on a, like a pre-launch uh, list mm -hmm. if they're interested. Um, I fully recorded two of the six modules, so uh, I don't really need to do all six because okay. it's a, you know, it's a step by step. People need yeah. time and effort to, um, but what I am doing to encourage people and my gift back to people is module one will be complimentary. Uh, but they will have to rent or buy the textbook and the journal. So, mm -hmm. so minimal investment, maximum nice. exposure um, may not be for them and that's okay, but yeah. it may just be for them. And, and Hey, I might be able to give them 48 years worth of my stuff in six modules. Nice. So where can people find this? So I will um, I will post the landing page when this goes out. How about that? Okay, so that sounds straight. great. It's that on the back great. end we'll... of my website, processcleanup.com, but the page is not live. So um, okay, I, I literally sent it out to some people in the network that I know will give me a lot of objectivity last night, and some people okay. looked at it. And so I'm waiting awesome. for a little bit more feedback. You know, awesome. Well, it's, it's exciting to see that you're doing this. And and I really like the 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 idea of building that legacy and sharing it with other people. I mean, because sure. it would be it would be cool to think about after you're after after we're gone, that something like that could be left behind at a library or something like right. that. And you imagine somebody discovering it and in and going, wow, this is incredible. Yeah, you know, absolutely. it, it well, really is something. Well, and the other thing is, you know, I talk, I've been talking more recently about, you know, my, what I call my jive hive. So there are people I jive with, but the hive concept actually came from Dr. Alexandria Rosso because we were talking about, well, you know, how do you know the right people to attract them anyway? So hive, honeybee, bees, high quality honey. So I just put together this thing called jive hive and and the point about the jive hive is typically they're a generation younger than me. Um, they're typically high potential leaders. They don't know they're high potential leaders necessarily. And mm -hmm. so the other way the Ignite modules are designed is to actually help that person really get clear in themselves about, hey, they are a high potential leader. And if they do all these modules, and keep doing all the stuff they're already doing, they can advance their career in lightning warp speed. Yeah. So that was the other piece that subtly driven into the design of the Ignite modules. It's to help our up and coming high potential leaders. Nice. Very specifically. Nice. So, so not only is it a legacy around the knowledge not disappearing, it's actually passing on the tools for our up and coming leaders that are going to shape our world so yeah. you know
Max That's Olympia. incredible. That's incredible, man. It's so exciting. It's so exciting. And I, like I said, we're, we're, we're running out of time here because we, but, but I I could talk for hours about this with you, Bruce. It's such a, we'll have to have you come back and, and after you get some people through the, the, the online modules and, and you're done with that and you get some experiences, we'll have to have you come back and we'll talk about, we'll, we'll get some good process stuff and, and come up with some good things to talk about. But just so uh good place to find you linkedin linkedin is my number one uh when i as you know i'm a live stream host like yourself so mm-hmm. thank you for letting me have the guest experience it's very i i'm fascinated our processes are almost identical so it's interesting yeah cool <laughs> uh, cool well, it's been great to then, have you yeah and then i extend to youtube when i do live stream host and then i'm um i'm actually one of those uh more mature guys playing on tiktok so not quite sure what the strategy is here there but i have found something that's going to help me get to my next level of strategy but uh, i want to give a shout out to shri shri actually forced me to do my first live on tiktok which kudos to her because i did not want to do that <laughs> so three helped me awesome. with that uh jillian moholland actually showed me and actually loaded my very first uh, fast tip videos uh out there and then mayan gordon was the person that got me to realize it's nothing to do with dancing for you bruce it's about how can you share your knowledge in fast tips in the business and technical and training arena because I didn't know that TikTok is segmented that way. You can you can decide, you know, where your content ultimately ends up by using the right hashtags. So ah, that's yeah. Awesome. A lot of people don't get that. They think it's just singing, dancing, people being goofy. But there's a serious, there is a serious professional development, management development. You know, there are some serious players on there using TikTok very effectively to pass on their knowledge. So awesome. Awesome. I did not know that, but I'm going to be checking that out. So Bruce Carnahan, if you're looking at him on, on LinkedIn, he's the guy in the blue shirt. Remember yeah. that. And I was thinking about that when I get on, I put on a blue shirt today and I didn't even think about, it, but I was going to, I should have had a different color. So you could be the oh, only guy with the blue shot. The blue well, I know it's your favorite color from prior conversations. So yep. I, no problem with you. Uh, I know you support me and yeah, and I'm, I'm the only guy in the blue shirt, I think on there. I mean, there yeah. are others, but they don't use that my hashtag. But my my main hashtag is the one in my title here: simpler, faster, better is my method. Um, anything to do with methodology, case studies, experiences, stories. You're gonna, you know, you can search under that hashtag, and you're you'll get a truckload of stuff that will be more more than you need to read. Awesome. Awesome. Well, thanks so much, Bruce, for being here today. Today, we had Bruce Carnahan. We were talking about using processes to be simply simpler, faster, and better. And man, did we get a dose of knowledge today. Thanks so much for being here, Bruce. Thanks, everyone, for listening. We will be back again. Whoa, it's a holiday weekend here in the U.S. Not going to be here on Thursday or Tuesday of next week because we're going to take a little time off. But we'll be back again later next week. Thanks, everyone. Thanks. Thanks, Bruce.